Fantastic. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Shall we pray together as we start? Thank you, Jesus, that you are here, that you're the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus reigns. And so we speak peace into this place. We speak your life. Thank you, God, for the word of God that is true to our lives. It's what we depend on. And so, Jesus, today I pray that you'd come and do what only you can do in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. You'd work deeply and powerfully in us, Jesus. We love you and we put you first today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we're going to go there um, shortly. Um, But you might just want to find that, Luke chapter 1. If you've got a Bible with you, that would be great. You might want to take some notes as well. I've just got a um, a few points um, for us this morning. But I want to talk about, uh, it's Dedication Sunday. And so I want to talk about the dedication of John the Baptist and him being named. And so this is a dedication service for John the Baptist. And so that's what I want to talk about. Now, have you ever wondered what your name means? Or have you ever looked into it? What What does your name actually mean? ever thought about it? Is there there a story in your family as to why you're called that name? Maybe that you know that you're called that name because it's passed on from an uncle or an aunt, or maybe you know the name that you're called because it's part of a family line, or there was something about that name that your parents wanted to pick in that moment to, to portray something or to think of something. But names are significant, aren't they? They mean something that when we introduced two other people, we know people based on their name. We connect with it. Now, I often think about um, parents coming to name kids, that actually, you know, names have a weight or a significance to them, that if you think of a name and then you think of somebody at school that was the school bully, oh, my kid's not going to be called that name. You know, perhaps you think one of, the, one of the couple likes the name Kevin, and then the other person's like, no, Kevin was an awful ex-boyfriend. We're not going to call this, uh, we're not going to call our child Kevin, or perhaps you're just thinking of Home Alone and you're thinking, we don't want to leave Kevin at home. And so, but names have a significance, don't they? Like, it connects to something about our lives, something deeper. It means something. I did a bit of research on some of the names of some of the um, team that um, are around me in the office, and um, Howard's an interesting one. Because in Old German, so it says on Wikipedia, I'm not totally sure what Old German is, but in Old German it means chief warden or guardian. In Old French, it means heart brave or brave heart. Less good in Old English, it means you herd, which is basically a sheep herd or a herd of sheep, isn't it? It's kind of an interesting one. Irene means peace. Stuart means house guardian. I love that one, guardian of the house. Joy means joy, um, which is good. And if you ever want to give joy a prophetic word, it's really easy. Joy, the joy of the Lord's coming upon you. It's a really, really good one. Um, Simon means listen or to listen, which I thought was good. Claire is famous. I liked that one. That's good. Grace is the grace of God. It's absolutely wonderful. Lauren is named after the, the laurel plant. And so around me, I was thinking, we've got all of these names. We've got things like famous and house guardians and chief guardians and um, joy and peace and grace all around. And then I thought about my name, Paul, which means small. And I was like... We've got all of these great things like guardians and chief wardens and then small. Like, what's that? This is is not good. Now, I I like to think about the other word for small, which I take on, which is humble. It's humble. So I'm humble. Now, the danger of calling yourself humble is that you are immediately not humble in doing that. 
But my middle name's David, and so I like to think of myself as, because David means beloved, humble, beloved, is um, what I like to think about with my name. And maybe um, for you, you think about your name, and you think, this is what it means, this is what it means for the family, this is how it's connected. Now, biblically, when we look at names, they have a greater weight on them than we have today. There's a greater significance upon them. It actually introduces the person, but also the destiny of God on their lives. It introduces what God is doing in them and through them, the potential and the purpose and all sorts of things that are going on that God wants to do in their names, in their lives. So take Abraham. Abraham originally, when God meets him and becomes friends with him, is Abraham. And Abraham literally means exalted father, exalted father. There's a sense that he's exalted in the community as being a father. But as God takes hold of his life, he changes his name to Abraham, which means the father of many the father of many. There's a, there's a, a difference, there's a movement there from a, a community of people that exalt him to the father of many. And uh, actually God takes him on that journey and moves him. The other one that I think about that I find interesting because his name's Paul as well is Paul who um, wrote many of the letters in the New Testament originally called Saul. And he's called Saul and, um, and he encounters God and as he meets God he um, has a, a revelation of who Jesus is in this powerful moment and uh, quite a humbling moment in that moment of time and then later on be- decides to call himself Paul. Now, there's a few of the reasons for that in terms of traveling to the Greek world and other bits and pieces but I, for me I find it interesting that he moves from his name Saul to his name Paul. Saul who was called head and shoulders above the rest. Head and shoulders above to Paul who's now small who's humbled. I just wonder if there's something going on there of God in his life just to say that actually, you know, you used to think, Saul, you were head and shoulders above the rest. You were better. But now you know that you're humbled by God, but that God can use you and do incredible things in your life. See, names are important and significant. They carry weight. And there can also be names that are spoken over us and over our lives. Names that build us up names that encourage us, nicknames that are important and significant to us to chart our lives or connection to family. There can also be names that actually hurt or wound or damage us. Words that are names that actually tear down and actually put us in a position where we carry something of those things or the burden of them. But names are significant and they matter. They define who we are. They define certain points of our lives and they define what God has done and is doing in and through our lives. And so biblically, as we look at this, there's a sense that the names mean something different, something a little bit more. And so as we look at this on Dedication Sunday, and we look at this story of the naming of John the Baptist, I want to get hold of us to get hold of what God is doing to bring a name to John and a name in his life. So here at Alive Church, we dedicate um, children to God. And in that moment, we pray over them and we speak words of life over them from the Bible of saying there's a destiny and there's a purpose over your life. And so we want to get hold of kids and pray for them and believe that actually we can prophesy something into their future of who God is and what God's going to do in and through them. I love that moment where we take a little child and we pray for them and pray over them. It's absolutely brilliant because it's a bigger picture of God's plans and purposes. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I hope you believe that today. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now that can be so, so easy to say, but often harder to get hold of in terms of what does that look like? What does that mean for me today? But God is active around your life. He's always working and he has a plan for you today. 
And as he works around our lives, I believe he wants his plans and purposes to come to pass. Often we can think that God's plans and purposes are to make my own plans and purposes come to pass. But I believe God wants to work in us to allow us to see that actually, no, it's his purposes that prevail. That's what Proverbs tells us. So if we think about the plans and purposes from God, I want to just lay a quick foundation for us. The main purpose of God's work in your life is that you become like Jesus. That's God's main purpose in your life, is that you become more like him. Often we can think it's about blessing or things we're going to receive or do, but actually God wants us to become something before we go and do something. It's why he's called us his children. It's why in Christ Jesus we're made into new creations, because in that moment we see that actually God is speaking over us his plans and purposes for us as his children. And as we become more and more like Jesus Christ, then we bring him into the world and point people to him. So let's turn, turn to Luke chapter one. Because I love this story of the, the naming of John the Baptist. This is a brilliant story that I think will help us to see how God has a name for us and what God is doing in our lives as well. So Luke chapter one, we're gonna read from verse 57. Um, onwards, and then I've got three points, three R's to help us understand this. So, the birth of John the Baptist, verse 57, Luke chapter 1. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. We'll come on to this at the moment, but Zechariah is currently mute. He can't speak, which is why he needs a tablet. He's not just being awkward. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open, that's Zechariah, and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. What then is this child going to be? To be the surrounding or the story surrounding this child's naming is so significant and important that all of the people in that community are then saying what then will this child be what then will this child go on to do what will he be i love that phrase what then is this child going to be so often we think what are we going to do but god is thinking about who we are in our identity and so we've picked up this story at the birth of john and he's the cousin of Jesus, and his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, are fairly old. They've not been able to have children, and Zechariah is a priest, and every year and every time he would go to the temple, he would pray for children, and he'd ask God, I want a, I want a child, we want a child, this is painful, this is hard. And so we see a few verses up, if you look ahead, look up from the passage we just read, you can see a few verses there where... <clears throat> Zechariah goes to the temple as he normally would as a priest and in, um, in, the, in the temple he encounters an angel called Gabriel and this angel tells him Elizabeth's going to become pregnant, you're going to have a son and you need to name him John. Now because all of this is quite astonishing and stunning to Zechariah, he literally says, how can this be? I don't, I don't actually believe this, I don't, I'm not sure I can believe this is going to be true. We're both old, how can this happen? 
And so the angel then says to him, because you haven't believed the word of God, you're going to be mute. And um, you're not going to be able to speak until the baby is born. So Zechariah can't speak, and the community is already wondering what is taking place. He comes out of the temple, and then they're saying, what is, what is this all about? They're asking questions. What does this mean? Is this something significant? And so then we pick up the story here, where on the eighth day in the culture, children are to be dedicated to God, boys are to be circumcised, and the name is to be given in order to give the significance and the relevance of what that person is about, perhaps something about what the birth means, celebration of God and who he is. And so so this is an important moment. This is a powerful moment for the community, but also for John's life. Destiny and circumstances and everything is going to be put into motion by the naming of this baby. Now, everyone's expecting the name Zechariah or something like that. Everyone's expecting Zechariah. So they come and they're saying, oh, he's going to be called Zechariah. Then Elizabeth, the mother's like, no, he's not going to be called Zechariah. He's going to be called John. And so there's a sense here that actually as I look at this, there's a few R's that I want to take us through. But this first one is there's a renaming of John. There's a rename for John. And so there's a name that the community has for this baby. There's a name that perhaps even the family could have in terms of Zechariah or somebody else from their family line. But God has chosen a name for this boy and his name's John. Now in our lives, we don't often rename things, do we? We don't rename one another. We don't rename pets. If you've got a pet, you're not going to rename it because actually it has a significance or a connection in that moment. Grandparents can often be renamed by their grandchildren. I often think about my parents and Joy's parents, they often came with a name or an idea that they would like to be called, and then the little um, toddler changes the name um, because they don't get it. They rename the grandparent based on what they like. My dad wanted to be called Grandpops. And um, for some reason, Finley worked out, um, well, not for some reason, he knew that his name was John and decided for some reason his name would be John Pops. So he'd lost the grand, the grand completely. He's like, oh, it's John Pops. And so my dad, who wanted to be Grand Pops, is now John Pops. There's a renaming um, in that moment. But we don't often rename things, do we? There's a significance to it. And so for this family, there would have probably been a sense that Zechariah's thinking for his life, if we ha- ever have a son, this is a name I'm going to pass on. And Zechariah would have been a good name to pass on. Zechariah literally means the Lord remembered. The Lord remembered. Now when God remembers something, we read it often or mostly in the Old Testament that God remembers his people. God remembers things. So um, it's the word zakar, which means to remember. But it's much more powerful than just remembering. Because remembering for us is usually because we've forgotten something. But remembering for God isn't because he's forgotten but it's a bringing to mind in order to act on that person's behalf. So the Bible tells us that God remembered Noah and then he acted on his behalf to bring a wind across the earth to allow the flood to go. Psalms, um, David writes about, remember me, O Lord, remember me. There's a sense that actually, as we ask God to remember us, we're asking him to come and work powerfully on our behalf, to come and do something to come and save us. There's a cry of the heart that actually means this is something more powerful. God hasn't forgotten, but we need him to come and act and do something and remember. And so Zechariah would have been a great name for this boy. God, come and remember. Come and do something. Come and remember your people who are now in slavery to Rome, that actually there's forces of oppression against us. 
There's taxes that are unfair. There's just constant um, poverty and, um, and difficulty in us as a nation. Remember us, oh God. Come and act on our behalf. But instead they decide to call him John, which is God's name for him, which literally means, the name John means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. Now I love the fact that Yahweh himself as one of the definitions for the word or name Yahweh is gracious. And so God is saying gracious is gracious, or the gracious one is gracious in this moment to come and work on your behalf. Now, I love the fact that the word gracious, I talked about this in my last talk a few weeks ago, that word gracious is an active word. It's not passive, it's active. So when God is gracious towards us, he comes and acts on our behalf. And so I love the thought that rather than calling the child Zechariah, which means to remember, God is saying we're going to call him John because I'm now coming to act on your behalf. You've wanted me to remember, but now I've remembered and now I've come, I'm coming to act. I'm coming to do something. I'm coming to work on your behalf. So God renames John on the basis of what he's about to do. God is about to move. God, <clears throat> God is about to do something powerful on their behalf, to defend them, to act on their behalf. So God renames him on this basis. God's about to do something. And so the community then begin to wonder, what is going to happen? What is going to take place here? Because in the renaming, we see that God is about to act. So what about for you and for me? See, it may be that names have been spoken over our lives. It may be that we carry certain things that bear significance or weight upon us. Maybe that there's um, names that you think about when you think about your own life. You know, from my own experiences of bullying at school, I carried a name of not good enough carried that as a name, almost a sense of this is who I am. But as God has spoken truth into my life of who I am, I know that in Jesus Christ, I'm more than good enough. I'm more than a conqueror because of what he has done. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 says that Jesus has a new name for each and every one of us. That he's written it on a white stone and to the one who is victorious, he gives it to us. And so whatever name you've been called in the past, whatever's been spoken over you, God has a new name for you today. He has an opportunity in this moment to rename us with a new purpose and new destiny beginning today in Jesus Christ. And I believe that over our lives there will then be people and we will be a community that will ask, what then is this child going to be? What then is this community going to be as we understand that God is going to rename us? Maybe you just want to close your eyes for a moment. Because it might be that just as I'm talking, there's names that you know have been spoken. That name might be a diagnosis. That name might be fear. That name might be uncertainty or hopelessness. It might be names that have been spoken over you by parents. It might be names that have been spoken over you by peers, I don't know. But I believe that God wants to work in power today to allow us to see that he has renamed us by what he is going to do. He has renamed us with power and strength because he has called us into his family. And so just as you've got your eyes closed, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and work in and through us. That if there's names that need breaking off our life, we break them off now in the name of Jesus. And we speak life. We speak the name of Jesus Christ. The name that is above all other names. The name 
that is the highest name, the most significant name, the name that changes everything. We look to you today and thank you, God, that we are called by your name and that we are yours today. Amen. Amen. We're going to um, sing at the end and um, have an opportunity to respond if you want to respond further. But I believe today that God wants to allow us to see that he has renamed us. He has got hold of us and he is calling us to purpose and to his plans today. So there's a renaming that takes place. And then there's a, a, a need for us to repeat what God has said. And so this naming is an important moment. It's a significant moment biblically. It sets the tone for the whole family. As I've said, it sets the tone for the whole future and destiny for this child. But God is asking us to get hold of those words, those names, and then to repeat them um, into our families and to repeat them to ourselves. Think about the story for Elizabeth and Zachariah. She couldn't get pregnant, and so she's shunned, she's ostracized for it. She finds life difficult and painful. And yet, between them, they knew something, that God was about to do something, that God was on their side, that God loved them and had cared for them and knew them. And then she gets pregnant, having had this word from this angel. This is going to take place, and this is who your son is going to be. This is his name. Can you imagine what's beginning to take place inside of them, a believing in faith beginning to grow of what God can do? I then love the story that we read in Luke 1 where Jesus um, inside Mary meets Elizabeth and John. And John leaps inside his mother, Elizabeth. He leaps. There's something in him. He knows he's encountered Jesus. He's met with him. There's something different about this child. There's something taking place. And so they're already beginning to build a picture. There's something about future destiny that's on this. There's something about what God is speaking over our lives and our future line that is significant and powerful. And I believe that for us, what we've got to get hold of is there's a renaming that takes place in our lives, and then we've got to begin to repeat what God has said. We've got to believe it and begin to speak out and say, this is who we are. This is who our children are. This is who our grandchildren are. We're going to believe that, speak it out, and we're going to name it. What God says, we need to repeat. What God speaks we speak. It's why I believe that Zechariah was mute for a little while. It's because he wasn't speaking what God was speaking. And so in order to get him in line, he had, God had to shut him up for a little while and to say, come into line with what I'm speaking. Don't speak unbelief. Don't speak doubt. Speak faith in the name of Jesus. And so I want you to just skip on a few verses in Luke chapter 1, starting at verses 67, to see what Zechariah now says about his son and about God. Verse 67 says this, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. That is, he spoke with power based on what God sees, not what he sees. He spoke truth based on what God sees. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people to redeem them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he has said through his holy prophets, of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Just stop there for a moment. That is the process of God remembering Zechariah. 
His name then, in that respect, is fulfilled. God has remembered what he said to Abraham. He has remembered what he's done through his prophets, and now he's coming to act again. And then he prophesies over his son, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. I love verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly in Israel. Zechariah is prophesying and repeating what God is saying and what God has spoken over his son. There's a beautiful rhythm to it and to what he's saying. There's a poetic thing that connects back to the ancient prophecies. Those like Isaiah where at the end he talks about the sun rising and those li- on those living in darkness. Isaiah 9.2 says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. He's speaking what God has spoken for generations. And he says to his, to his child, to his son John, you're gonna be called a prophet of the Most High. You're going to go on to prepare a way for the Lord. You're going to bring salvation. You're going to bring forgiveness. You're going to bring and show the tender mercy of God. He's speaking those things out. Imagine growing up in the household with Zechariah as your father, as John, just growing up with him just speaking those words over you. This is who you are. You're a prophet. This is who you are. You point the way to the Messiah. You lead the way to the Lord. Can you imagine growing up in that environment, what it does to what you believe? Because when God speaks... We need to repeat it. We've got to affirm it. We've got to call it out of people around us and call out what God has done in us. I've seen this in my own life when God speaks. Right, I write everything down. When someone says, here's a prophetic word, here's a word or a Bible verse, whatever, I write them all down. And I love to go through them and remind myself of this is what God has said. This is what God has said he'll do. And I read through them and say, God, I believe you for these things. I pray over them. I turn them into prayers and allow them to shape my thinking and my destiny and my life. I just wonder what begins to take place as a community if we all began to do that. To say, God, this is what you've spoken over us. This is what you've um, got for me. And I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe your truths biblically. And I'm going to go for it. I wonder what begins to happen if we begin to believe for our children and our grandchildren. Ask God for a word. God, what what have you got on their life? What are you doing in and through them? And to ask God to reveal some of those things through scripture, through the word of God, and then to believe it and to begin to speak over it and create an environment for them where, they, where their growing up is one immersed in the word and the truth and the promises of God. See, when we repeat what God has spoken, there's power and there's purpose in it. And I want to call us to be a community that are going to repeat what God has spoken over our own lives and over our kids and our grandkids, to speak it out, to believe there is great destiny. So there's a renaming that God does. There's a new name for each and every one of us. There's a repeating of that that we've got to do. We've got to repeat what God has said. And then I believe there's a resounding that we can do as a community of what God has said over our lives. See, God renames and we've got to repeat it. But then there's a community response. A community response in this moment is to say, what then will this child be? They're in awe. They're in expectation saying, God is about to do something. He's going to move on our behalf. What is he going to be? What's he going to become? Who is he going to be? And when we begin to say yes and amen to the things of God and what he has spoken over our lives, I believe a sound is created in this place. It's a resounding around our lives. You see, it takes a community 
to speak out and to believe what God has said. It takes a community to do that. You see, when we have a view of one another that fully believes this is who you are in Christ, this is the truth of who you are, that God has great destiny and purpose over your life. When we see that over one another and say, that's what I'm going to speak out, that's what I'm going to believe in, that's what I'm going to contend for and fight for, I believe we create an incredible sound and resounding in this place when we trust the promises of God. And so maybe it might be that from this place you need to go and as a family just talk together and share, this is what we believe God has said over our lives individually, but our lives as a family. It may be that as connect groups, we need to get together and say, what are the words that God has spoken? How can we believe over one another who we are? And then to begin to speak those things out over one another. This is who you really are. This is what God has called you to. I believe we need a new view or perspective of accountability. Accountability so often has become about what we get wrong. So if I get something wrong, I'm then going to go to someone and say, can you hold me to account on this? Because I don't want to do this. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to get this bit wrong in my life. But what if actually we began to say and turn that slightly on its head and say accountability is about holding one another to who we really are. Not to what we get wrong, but who we really are. So that if we're not living up to who we really are, we can come alongside each other and say, do you know what? When you do that, I don't believe that's who you really are. I don't believe that's who you are in Christ. I don't believe that's the word that God speaks over your life. I believe that actually God has a bigger purpose as you become like Jesus. That we begin to hold each other to account for who God says we are. I believe that causes a radical life and a sound to emerge from a place. A great resounding can come out from a community that begin to vibrate with the truth of God over one another's lives. I believe it's powerful. You see, I, we've used this picture before, but I just want to remind us of it. I believe that this place is a communal changing room. It's a communal changing room. This is a transformative space. That in this environment and in this community, we're being changed from one degree of glory to another, the Bible tells us. That means that we can't stay the same. And it means that I don't stay the same and you shouldn't stay the same. And so it means that actually we're constantly growing and moving forward. But it means that there are things that I did in my past that I got wrong that now I've, I've been changed from. And so if we take this as a communal space, or say this is a communal changing room, there are a few simple rules that we have in that space. You know, if you're in a changing room at the gym, there's a few simple rules on there. You don't stare, that's a good rule to have. You don't take pictures. Two good, good rules to have. If you didn't know those rules, maybe you needed to learn them today. Next time you go to the changing rooms, don't stare, don't take pictures. Two important rules for us. But in terms of this space as we're changing, it's important that we don't take pictures and hold up something from five years ago and say, Paul, do you know, you did this, you got this wrong. What, what's that about? It's important that we don't actually then just stare and say as we're changing and being transformed, but actually we come alongside and we cover and we love and we say, do you know what? There's a greater thing for you. There's more in you than the way that you're currently living. That when we hold each other to account on who we really are, there's power in that moment and in that process. And so I love the thought that actually God has a new name for us, for each and every one of us. He's speaking destiny and purpose and truth over our lives. That as we get hold of that name, we can repeat it and we can believe it over ourselves, over our kids, grandkids, over um, families around us in this church space. But we can also then, as a community, come together 
to let a sound arise from amongst us that vibrates and reverberates around the building that says this is who we really are. We're made in the image of Christ. We're called to be like him. Let's live to a higher standard. Let's live to a better way. You see, I love well because I'm becoming like Jesus and I'm pointing people to him just like John did. Let's pray together. We're going to um, sing together, but I just want to um, allow us a moment to respond to this in our hearts and lives, because as I've been speaking and sharing, there may be things that you know just need to be broken off your life. Names that hang over you, that just need to come off, that you need again to hear this morning the name of Jesus Christ spoken over you, that he's got a new name for you. And I believe that in this place, faith is going to arise to believe that as we get hold of those names, that truth of what God speaks, we're going to repeat it. We're going to pray it. We're going to create environments where that's who we become. Where that's what we live out. And that as a community, we're going to get a great biblical picture of who we really are. And we're going to allow a sound and a resound to come from this place as we speak over each other, as we champion each other, as we believe this is who we really are. God has called us to greater. And as we hold one another to a higher level of accountability, saying, come on, come on. God has a plan and a purpose over you. God has a plan and a purpose for this place. I was thinking this week about the words over this church. Now, even in the symbolic act of moving from the name New Life to Alive, there was a moment of time. There was a renaming that captured something of what God is doing and God wants to do in our nation. Many years ago, God had brought new life, but now he wants us to be alive for him. He wants us to stand up in this nation and be a voice. You see, the prophecies over this church are that we're the head, not the tail that the branches go over the walls, that we're to go out and to stand up strong and to believe that for this nation, we have a significant part to play. We have a role to play in defining culture, in bringing life, in speaking hope, in bringing leadership and certainty where there's uncertainty. And I wanna remind us this morning, there's a resounding that can take place in us when we believe in and we, when we get hold of what God has spoken. They're the things to talk about. They're the things to remind one another of. They're the things to pray for and to believe for. And so Holy Spirit, I pray across this place, you begin to move in power. Where there's names that we've held on to that are not of you, we break them off now in the name of Jesus. It may be you just need to say to God, God, I'm sorry for holding on to that word, that name. I forgive that person, all those people, I let go of it. And then ask God, what's his new name for you today? What name have you got for me? What are you speaking over me in this moment that I can repeat and believe? Jesus, come and move in power in this place. Come and walk amongst us, Jesus. The name above all names, Jesus. Come and work amongst us. The name that denotes the presence. The name that means that the presence of Jesus is in this place. 
And so God, come and fall in this place. Come and fall in this place. May we repeat what you're saying over our lives, God, I pray. I'd love us to stand together if you're able to. And to allow sound to come from amongst us that's based on the name of Jesus Christ, that allows faith to stir in us, that says we will repeat what God has said, that we will resound in this place with the truth of God over us, that we're loved, that we're known, that we're his children, that we're the family of God. And so we're gonna sing together, and I just want you to allow that praise and that worship to connect with the name of Jesus as a resound comes from this place. And then I'll pop back up and we can pray again, but let's let a sound arise in this place. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost but he brought me in, oh his love for me, yes his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh is free. today, God, that we're your children, that you've spoken over us good things, that there's a place for each and every one of us. 
That is a truth over our lives. God, I pray that we would accept today and believe who we are in you and what you say about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Just like to take your seats just for one moment. Our prayer's gonna come up on the screen and I wanna give us an opportunity here today. If you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you'd like an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to say yes to him, the greatest name, the greatest one that ever lived. We're gonna pray this prayer out loud all together. And then I'm gonna um, ask everyone to close their eyes. And in the stillness of that moment, if you wanna respond to Jesus today, to say yes to him, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in that moment, to welcome Jesus into your life. And as everyone's got their eyes closed, there's going to be a few people around the room with their eyes open who are going to put a booklet into your hand if that's you. They're going to help you understand what you've done and the next steps on your journey. So let's read this prayer out loud together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and I've messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Just like to close your eyes for a moment. If you're here today and you've prayed this prayer and for the first time you want to say yes to Jesus, welcome him into your life just as everyone's got their eyes closed. I wanna invite you now to raise your hand nice and high so I can celebrate with you and we can get a booklet into your hand. Anybody wanna do that today? Say yes to Jesus. That's great, fantastic. Wonderful, best decision of your life. Anybody else? That's great at the back there as well, fantastic. Two more at the back, fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? That's great. Yeah, I see, I see that hand. Fantastic. Fantastic. Wonderful. Amen. Well, we'll give some time for some conversations to take place. Um, if you want prayer this morning for anything we've talked about, if you want to hear a new name, someone to prophesy over you, come to our team at the front. They'd love to stand with you and to speak that over your life. And uh, we'd love to, to pray with you. Irene, would you come and close our meeting? Thank you so much. God bless.